0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, bringing you all the Orioles news and analysis from the week as we just continue to step closer and closer to opening day. Next week, next Thursday, we will have baseball from Fenway Park, the Orioles, and the Red Sox. But before then, until some spring training games to play, still a lot of things to sort out for the Orioles in this span of the next 10 days. And as I record this here on a Monday afternoon, uh, the Orioles are actually on TV once again on the uh, new official broadcast network of the Orioles, AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh, which is now shown four Orioles games this season uh, with the condensed spring training schedule. But we did get good news last week. Uh, Masson will be showing two games Tuesday and Thursday of this week. So there will be Orioles baseball. Uh, For those of you who do not have MLB TV or uh, other means to watch games online, uh, you can flip on Masson. I believe it's a Tuesday afternoon game and then a Thursday evening game to see the Orioles. Haven't quite seen Uh, who all we're going to get to see. But I do know that Cesar Valdez is going to start the game on Tuesday that is being aired on Masson. I don't think he'll go deep into the game, but we'll get to see at least two innings of Valdez, uh, which should be good stuff as the Orioles take on the Rays in that one. Trevor Richards is going to start for Tampa. But looking back on the weekend, you know, the Orioles have played a few games. They did have a game televised back on Friday. Which was good to see. And on today's episode of the podcast, uh, we are going to have a Mailbag Monday. We've got one question to answer here on the pod. Uh, But first, going to go over a little bit about the spring training games this weekend. And then uh, a quick look at the end at today's spring training game and what's coming up here on the pods. That's all going to be brought to you by Built Bar. It's today's episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order of those delicious protein bars over at BiltBar.com. So looking back on Friday's game, got a chance to watch that again against the Pirates. And, uh, you know, Dean Kramer got the start, and it wasn't the best day for him. He gave up five runs over three and a third innings. But there still were some good things that came out of that game. Wade LeBlanc. With three innings, just one unearned run allowed, he struck out three batters, did not give up a hit over three innings. I think he, especially with this Felix Hernandez injury, is creeping closer and closer to being on this opening day roster for the Orioles. And, hey, they're going to take veterans over young guys right now because they need innings to to be eaten by some older pitchers, and LeBlanc is going to be one of those guys. We also got a scoreless inning out of Sean Armstrong, which was good to see. But, obviously, the story of the day, uh, the Orioles won that game 7-9, to or, excuse me, 11-9 to over the Pirates. And uh, the story of the day was the offense. I mean, the Orioles just exploded offensively in the game. They got a Trey Mancini home run, which was phenomenal to see. Uh, took a hanging breaking ball deep into the left field seats for his first home run of the spring since returning. Ryan Mountcastle hit a nice looking home run. And Cedric Mullins, uh, even though Mancini went deep, I think the Cedric Mullins home run was the one that excited me the most. Of course, he he is you know fully left-handed now. He went lefty-lefty home run, hit one deep on a fastball up uh, into the right field seats. That was nice to see from Cedric Mullins. Two more hits from Austin Hayes in the game. Mancini had two hits. Santander, two hits. Mountcastle with two hits. Cedric Mullins uh, with two hits. He had Yomer Sanchez, Pedro Severino. Uh, they all drove in runs as well. Really good day for the Orioles' offense. You move to Saturday over the weekend. The O's did get a 2-1 win over the Yankees. Uh, they had a home run from Pat Valleca, which was the difference In the game, but the real story, despite it not being televised, was the pitching for the Orioles. It was outstanding, and it all started with Matt Harvey, who again quietly continues to move up this depth chart for the Orioles starters. Four innings from Harvey against the Yankees offense uh, back on Saturday. He gave up just one run on one hit. It was a solo home run to Gio Urshela. That was the only hit he allowed in four innings. Two Ks and one walk for Matt Harvey. Um, Have a a buddy Joe who uh, does some scouting and was down in the ballpark. Uh, shout out to Joe Hirsch in Sarasota, who said that Harvey was, you know, around 91-93 with the fastball. So he wasn't sitting in that mid-90s uh, where he was last week. But he wasn't sitting there last week either, just was touching 95. But the stuff was moving. Not a lot of swing and miss in his game, he said. Um, but but the stuff had some really good movement on it. And, uh, you know, he he got some grounders and, and he got out of the game. And then the other big thing was, you know, we've really kind of written off the Orioles Rule 5 picks. Max Aroller and Tyler Wells. Each of them threw two scoreless innings out of the bullpen on Saturday. Uh, Soroller had one strikeout allowed one hit. Wells had three strikeouts allowed one hit. Now, I still don't think either of them are going to be on the roster at this point. But I think that outing for each of them uh, made it much, much more of a decision for the Orioles to make. And, uh, you know, I heard that neither of them looked extremely overpowering. Uh, but both of them looked confident and were throwing a lot of strikes which is good to see because, you know, Wells has been good this this uh, spring training, but Sarola has been, you know, pretty rough so far, so that was a good sign. And then Dylan Tate finished it off, struck out the side, one two three to get the save. He had had kind of a rough spring so far, but that was a really good sign for him, just an all-around amazing day for Orioles pitching. Wasn't so much on Sunday. They lost 12-7 to to the Twins. Jorge Lopez, who has been so good all spring, got hit around a little bit, didn't get helped by his defense. Paul Fry did throw two innings, allowing one run, starting to settle down a little bit for him. Cole Salser gave up a home run for the Orioles, uh, but was not their best day. Although the the key story for the Orioles in that game on Sunday, besides the Ryan Mountcastle hitting another home run, uh, it was Michael Franco. He was in the lineup for the first time. He had a couple RBIs, had a double for his only hit. So that was definitely a good sign for the Orioles. But, you know, we're getting closer and closer to what that roster is going to look like in these spring training games become more and more important, and we'll see how Franco fits in uh, as he is into the Oriole lineup, uh, but definitely a lot of positives coming out of the Orioles over the weekend. But of course, today on the episode, it is a mailbag Monday. We have a question coming up from one of our listeners after the break. It has to do not so much with the current Major League team, but what the Orioles will look like in the future, specifically in the middle infield. The Orioles have put together a lot of middle infield prospects over the last 18 months. And there's a lot of questions about which of those guys are going to be the future major leaguers for the Orioles. So the question surrounds who is the ideal double play combination for the Orioles in the future out of all those prospects. Going to answer that question here on a Mailbag Monday coming up after the break. So we'll get to our mailbag question in just a second. But first, got to tell you about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we know it's a big betting time. March Madness is in the air. A lot of games still going on in the second round today. And uh, it's not just sports over at BetOnline. They even cover award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place those March Madness bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code On. That's promo code On over at BetOnline.ag and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you sign up over at BetOnline.ag. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we're back here on a Mailbag Monday episode of The Pod. Where we get to our question in a second. But first, got to tell you about a new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your pods. So today's one mailbag question comes from listener Noah, who says, Out of all the Orioles' middle infield prospects, what pair are you the most excited about or believe will be the most fun double play combination to watch either at the major league or minor league level? He said in his opinion at the major league level, he really likes the idea of Anthony Servidio at shortstop with Jordan Westberg at second. And I think those are two really interesting guys that could definitely, you know, play into this conversation. But if you ask this question, you know, maybe just two years ago, this is where it gets interesting because the Orioles were pretty barren at a spot like middle infield. You know, we remember way back when he was drafted, Ryan Mountcastle was initially a shortstop, but of course he has moved around. There's so many different positions at this point. We know he's not going to be playing the infield unless it's first base in the majors, and it's most likely going to be a first base left field DH kind of guy from what we've seen. But what Mike Elias and the Orioles have done over the last about 18 months is really stockpile these middle infield prospects, because frankly, when he came into this job, it was kind of a barren wasteland. They didn't have many of those guys in this system. Now you look at the updated MOB.com top 30, which was updated last week, they ranked the Orioles as the fifth best system in baseball, which is the highest ranking ever and just a whole other thing to be excited about. But there are a lot of middle infield prospects in this system. At number six, Gunnar Henderson. At number seven, Jordan Westberg. Good on the list. At number 13, you've got Taron Vavra. At number 14, you've got Adam Hall. Uh, you know, Kobe Mayo's at number 18. I know he's a third baseman, but, you know, still a left side of the infield guy. You've got Jemai Jones at number twenty. You've got Michael Hernandez, the guy the Orioles uh, just signed um, in the latest international signing period. Shortstop, uh, just seventeen years old. He's number twenty-two on this list. Ryland Bannon, number twenty-four on the list. Anthony Servidio at number twenty-seven on the list. There's even more guys you think about in the system who aren't even on those lists. You know Mason McCoy, who we've seen you know a few times in spring so far you know Ramon Arias is obviously closer to the big leagues He's already been in the big leagues uh but but he's a guy who you know is competing to be on that list even you know you go all the way down in Joey Ortiz who is the guy who was on this top 30 list at some point you know he is still in there as a middle infield option a, a really good hitter the Orioles drafted at a New Mexico State a couple years ago so out of all those names it becomes pretty difficult to kind of put together who you think is going to be this middle infield when the time comes for the Orioles and we know that what it looks like right now is not a future plan. The Orioles currently have Yomar Sanchez playing second base and they have Freddy Galvis at shortstop and frankly they have uh, Michael Franco at third. You know, all three of those guys are on one-year deals with the Orioles this year and there's a good chance that none of them are playing for the Orioles in 2022. They're more just, you know, veteran stopgap guys who get you to your next set of prospects. So you look through this list of middle infielders and you know, it becomes really interesting to try and choose who you want. Now, to answer this question, you have to start by talking about Gunnar Henderson because, you know, I know there's talk about him moving positions potentially, but he is the top rated guy on this list. You know, he is the sixth overall prospect for the Orioles. When Ryan Mountcastle uh, eventually graduates this year off the prospect list, uh, Gunnar Henderson will be a top five Orioles prospect. He'll slot in at number five. And he is a guy who has all this hype around him. You know, just 19 years old, uh, he hasn't played above. Uh, you know, rookie ball to this point. But so many people talking about, you know, how good he was at the alternate site. We've seen him a little bit uh, get into some games in spring training. Um, And, you know, a lot of pundits talking about him being a top 100 prospect in baseball, potentially by the time the midseason rankings come out here in 2021. So he's a guy who you have to think is going to be there. Now, I know with the bat he has, you know, 6'2", 210, and still has room to fill out that frame. Many think he will probably move over to third base by the time he gets to the big leagues. But if I'm the Orioles, I'm keeping him at shortstop for as long as possible. Which means to answer Noah's question, at least in the minor leagues, what I'm looking forward to is Gunnar Henderson at shortstop this year. Because I think there's a good shot, you know, Gunnar probably, if I had to guess, I would think he may just skip Del Marva. And I'm thinking, you know, he could start in Bowie, but I would think he would start at high A Aberdeen in the 2021 season. And you put him there, there is a solid chance that Gunner could be at shortstop in high A Aberdeen, and he could potentially, we'll see how things work out, he could have Anthony Servideo or Jordan Westberg playing second base along with him with the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And I think that, talking about minor league combinations, is must-watch television. There's even a possibility that at some point this year, Gunner Henderson's playing third, and you know Anthony Servidio is playing short Jordan Westburg is playing second for the Ironbirds at some point this year and i mean that's somewhere you know you're going to want to be uh to watch some baseball so that is definitely you know an exciting combination in the infield but i think a lot of people are saying you know that that Henderson's going to be a third baseman i'm going to go away from that to answer Noah's question about the major leagues i think Gunnar Henderson can stick at shortstop you know we've seen Manny Machado obviously he is now at third with the Padres and and he was at third for most of his time with the Orioles. But that was just because JJ Hardy was there. If Hardy was not there, Manny Machado would have been a shortstop his entire time with the Orioles. And again, he's only at third because Fernando Tatis is there in San Diego. If he's not there, you know, you probably put a guy like Manny Machado at shortstop. And you talk about that because of his bigger frame and he's a power hitter. And yeah, maybe at some point in his career, Henderson does make the move over to third base. It's probably pretty likely. But I think when he gets to the big leagues, I'm going to say he's going to be a shortstop at that point. And when he does get to that point in the big leagues, it's going to be really interesting to see who is alongside him at that point. And, you know, I got to say... Taryn Vavra is an extremely exciting prospect. now I don't know if Vavra is going to be a middle of the order guy you know down the road in his career. I think he more you know projects to be kind of a utility guy uh, who's just like you know a, a better version of Ryan Flaherty frankly for this Orioles team He can play a lot of positions uh, he can you know hit all kinds of different pitching. he's not going to wow you and, and you know won't play 160 games, but it's going to be an important part. But there's a lot of people really high on Vavra, who the Orioles got in the trade with the Rockies for Michael Gibbons last year. player out of Minnesota who was fantastic in the Big Ten when I saw him play. And he's a guy who I think at some point, you know, Vavra, at this point, he's 23 and he could come up next year. I think if Henderson starts to really make, you know, these shoots up these prospect boards, we could potentially see him in 2022. And with the two of them, there's a potential that that could maybe be a middle infield for the Orioles by, you know, opening day 2023 or or late in 2022. And, you know, I think Vavra and Henderson have so much hype behind them that that could be a, a hype train in the middle infield for the Orioles. Maybe just a year and a half from now, we could potentially see them. And, you know, Noah, I do want to mention Anthony Servidio because that's a guy, you know, I saw play all summer a couple years ago in the Cal Ripken League with the Baltimore Redbirds. Still the best uh, collegiate fielder at shortstop uh, that I have ever seen play. Uh, He's got a lot of skills. The bat finally came around in full force in his shortened 2020 season at Ole Miss, and that's why the Orioles took him. And I think he's got a chance if the bat stays like that to be a really productive major league player. You know, to hit on Jordan Westberg, he's a guy who's a really polished college player at Mississippi State. Uh, some people felt he should have been a first-round pick, and the Orioles kind of stole him by grabbing him after the first round in the competitive balance round of the 2021 draft. I don't know if his ceiling is as high as a guy like, you know, Gunnar Henderson— uh, but I think his floor is pretty high for Jordan Westberg, and that's what excites me about him. It just feels like he's going to be a major leaguer. Uh, we don't know how good of a major leaguer, but it feels like his floor is still there because he's such a polished player already. You look at the other guys, you know, like Adam Hall, kind of forgotten-about middle infield type. He's still got a good chance to to get to the big leagues. And who knows, maybe Jemai Jones, you know, maybe Ramona Rias, Ryland Bannon. One of these guys kind of pulls it together when they get their shot here in 2021 and kind of stamps their foot in one of those positions. But I will say to kind of round up for for Noah's question, I'm going to say Vavra and Henderson are kind of the the two most exciting for me uh, going forward in the middle infield for the Orioles. And I can't wait to watch them even at the minor league level this year, but especially whenever they can get to the major league level. But coming up next, before we go, we will take a look at uh, what the Orioles did today here on Monday uh, in their spring training game against the Pirates. Also take a look at what is coming up next on the pod this week as we get closer and closer to opening day. That's coming up after this break. Back to the Orioles chatter in just a second, but first got to tell you about Built Bar. Now we've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. But now is time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, you've got the coconut bar against the white chocolate birthday cake bar with a spot in the enticing eight on the line. And, uh, you know, coconut is solid, but you can't beat birthday cake. I'm going to have to take birthday cake in the voting for this one. And if you want to make your vote heard, you can go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter to cast your vote. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. So as we wrap things up on a mailbag Monday episode of the podcast, I do have to tell you about something going on here on the locked on MLB podcast network. Beginning this Wednesday, the locked on MLB podcast is featuring one of our biggest events of the year, the locked on MLB division preview series. All of our local experts in every MLB market answer the biggest questions around each team. Follow Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. But back here on Locked On Orioles, we thank Noah for sending in a Mailbag Monday question. If you want to get your mailbag question in for the next mailbag episode, which we're trying to do, At least once a week here on the pod, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us your questions or DM us your questions on Twitter. You can send them to me at Connor Newcomb underscore or send them to the podcast account at Locked on on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open on both accounts to get in those mailbag questions. But uh, coming up a little bit later uh, in the week, we've got some exciting episodes coming up. On Wednesday, we are going to continue the AL East crossover episode. Stacey Gatsoulias is going to join us. She is, of course, the host of Locked on Yankees, who has been on this podcast many times before. And uh, she is going to come on the pod to talk about the Yankees. And we are going to discuss what New York might uh, look like this season. And really the big question, who are those Yankees starting pitchers behind Garrett Cole At this moment, that should be a good chat on Wednesday. Coming up tomorrow, got a fun episode you're not going to want to miss. Greg Larson is going to join the podcast. He is the former clubby for the Aberdeen Ironbirds back in 2012 and 2013. And he wrote a book about his experiences called Clubby, a minor league baseball memoir. The book comes out on April 1st. Uh, But he joined the pod to uh, talk about his book, which is coming out, which is basically, you know, somewhat of an expose, but more of just a narrative of what his life was like as two years as a clubhouse attendant for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, of course, in that 2013 season as well, when they won the McNamara division in the New York Penn League after 10 years of losing uh, up in Aberdeen at Ripken Stadium at the short season single A level. There's a lot of names in the book you're going to recognize talking about guys Uh, like Trey Mancini and guys like Mike Yastrzemski and Alan Mills and others. Um, And Greg shares a lot of good stories, not just in the book, but in this episode of the podcast tomorrow as well. So that is a good one. Make sure to come back for that. And then Thursday and Friday, we are officially going to make our opening day roster predictions. We're going to talk hitters and pitchers Thursday and Friday on the pod, talking about who is going to be that 26 that makes it on to the Orioles opening day roster. But that is all coming up here on the podcast this week. As before we go, we take one little look at uh, the Orioles spring training game. that's going on as I record in the bottom of the fifth inning. As we're about to stop recording, John Means, three strikeouts, three runs, and three and two-thirds innings. Not his best start of the spring, but I would like to say uh, Means has looked really, really good. He looks ready to go, and, of course, he was named over the weekend the Orioles' opening day starter. So that is one out of 26. There's obviously more, but that we can pencil in to the opening day lineup. John Means will be your opening day starter. Of course, he was supposed to be the opening day starter last year, had a little bit of arm fatigue, had to get pushed back. Tommy Malone started opening day. But officially, it will be John Means this year. um, And it will be very, very cool uh, to see Means out there getting an opening day start. Cannot wait for him to be a sleeper in the AL Cy Young running this year. I think he's going to have a great season. On the offensive side today for the Orioles, a couple of RBIs for Freddie Galvis, one for Pedro Severino, one for Cedric Mullins as well. All those guys kind of rounding into form late here in the spring. But again, we got a lot coming up on the podcast here this week, and it starts again tomorrow. Greg Larson, the author of Clubby, joins us to talk about his experience with the Aberdeen Ironbirds, some really good insight into the Orioles system and into minor league baseball coming up on the pod tomorrow. But until then, this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.